Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. In today's fast moving healthcare world, information is key, but with so many voices out there, who do you listen to so you can have the biggest impact with your marketing budget? Welcome to Ignite, hosted by thought leaders in digital marketing. This is a very special edition where our hosts discuss everything from smart bidding and AI to marketing psychology and the advanced techniques, advanced, advanced, advanced techniques that yield the best results. I'm excited about this. We don't always do advanced, so this will be fun for some of you. Yes, it's the best minds from Cardinal Digital Marketing here to give you the scoop on the strategies we usually only reserve for clients. Sneak peek, clients, they'll get mad at us. But I heard they were playing a chat and decided to get you a front row seat so you can be on the leading edge. Here they come now. Let's listen in. My name is Nicholas Van Winkle. I am the director of paid media at Cardinal. And I am here with Alex Kim. I am the director of PPC here at Cardinal. And we are having a very casual conversation on a bench in a park. Thanks for joining me. Let's talk about the the larger theme of this conversation. It's in many ways, bid management strategies and the need for appropriate campaign structures that map onto those bidding strategies, because there are lots of ways that this can go right and lots of ways that this can go wrong. And what we want to talk about is all the ways in which we know they go right and know they go wrong, because we've been doing this a long time. To start, let's just tee it up with account structure. And this is as it pertains to paid search right now. We can talk about this for all the, the channels, social, programmatic display, video. We have a good discussion for each one of these channels, but I just want to make it very clear that this one is only in relation to paid search. Let's talk about account structure and how bidding can sort of map into those account structures based on the structures themselves. So let me, maybe if I, for the purposes of this conversation, if I can be the generalist Mm -hmm. as I am, and you can be the specialist. So you please correct me when I go afoul. What we have in account structure best practice is essentially a spectrum. And on one end is that of total segmentation. And the other end, we have total consolidation. And both have trade-offs. There are pros and cons that live for each. On the segmented side, what you get is absolute control. You have location-level control. I can fund the particulars of a location with, with almost perfect specificity. And on this end, I lose some of that control. What I trade up is that I get more access to essentially bidding technology. If that's the lay of the land in terms of account structure, well, first, did I characterize that right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I think about it. So kind of the sliding scale between segmentation and consolidation, yeah. Tell me about segmentation and when it makes sense. We've seen that segmentation really makes sense when you have these kind of business constraints or business objectives where, you know, for example, a lot of kind of healthcare, multi-local organizations need to know how much they spent per location every month. And that's a kind of restraint or, or an objective that we have to think about that as we build the account and as we structure the campaigns, because that's a very different request than 
we can let the spend go where it may, and we don't need to know how much each location spent. And we also don't need to emphasize or even de-emphasize certain locations. As you kind of move along this scale, and there's a lot of different points in between this scale, as you move along that scale, it's also kind of translates to your probability of kind of smart bidding working the best for you. The more consolidated you are, kind of the higher chances of smart bidding working for you versus at a highly segmented kind of uh, structure. It doesn't mean it can't work, but it's just not going to work as many times as, as it would if it was consolidated. Can you tell me what smart bidding is, please? Because it seems like we should probably get that on the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So smart bidding is essentially Google's kind of product in which that it basically sets all of your bids for you. So you can have some levers and some inputs and to say, I don't want to spend more than this per click or spend less than this per click. But it's essentially letting Google kind of have the reins when it comes to bid management. Um, and saying, not only are we going to set the keyword bid, but we're also going to set all these other adjustments based on millions and millions of data points that they have to, in their system that we don't have if you're doing manual. And for most advertisers, it leads to better success, better performance, and, and better quality. Okay, I'm a healthcare advertiser. I've got 150 locations. I want to use both a very segmented model I want to fund each location specifically as I have specific location level goals that I have to meet. And I want to use smart bidding. Why can't that work? Essentially what it comes down to is all about the campaign level data. Google Ads is kind of structured around the campaign. Like this is kind of how everything is kind of segmented. And the way that campaign learnings kind of work is for each campaign, you know, you have conversion data for that campaign. But that doesn't necessarily mean that for another campaign is going to share that data. So essentially, you know, if you have 150 locations and you're saying, I need 150 campaigns, you're kind of limiting the amount of data that each campaign can get. If the daily budget is $10 a day because you have 150 campaigns, obviously it's going to take more time for that campaign to learn and to know what works and how to set bids. Whereas if it was one campaign with a much higher daily budget, the learnings are just much faster. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. So a pure consolidated model. I'm the same healthcare advertiser. I have 150 locations and I have a single campaign with all of those locations grouped. And I use, I now have smart bidding available to me. Tell me about some of the advantages here and then the disadvantages. The advantage is obviously that you're essentially setting up the machines for success. You're, you're kind of doing your due diligence. Another thing that we'll talk about a lot today is AI plus humans is always going to be better than just AI. So if you can direct the algorithm in a, in a way and kind of give them a head start versus kind of, you know, inhibiting the, the algorithm, that, that's always going to be a benefit. So the benefit there is that you have one campaign, it has all these learnings, and it's going to get out of that learning phase much faster, and it's going to scale much faster as well. One of the disadvantages or kind of the downsides of it is that obviously you lose some, some control there. You know, when I had 150 campaigns, like I can change the daily budget for every single location and set it how I want. But now it's a little bit different where we're essentially telling Google, hey, I don't care where the money goes. I just want to get the best performance across the board. Obviously, there's going to be some loss of control there. So there are certain things you can do, certain structures you can use there to have a little bit more control. And that's where we kind of are kind of moving down the, the scale again to kind of a more of a right in the middle, kind of what we call a hybrid model. Well, that sounds fascinating to me. Uh, what does a hybrid model actually look like? Am I asking too many questions? No, no, I think this is great. Um, 
I think it can look like a lot of different things. There are, you know, happy mediums in between consolidation and a totally fragmented structure. Um, one of the ones that we've kind of found that, that works very well is kind of having a, a tier-based solution where you're saying, okay, I have this group of locations that really need more attention than the other locations. These are kind of like my, you know, my problem childs. They're the squeaky wheels that kind of are always struggling. So how can we kind of make sure we're, we're performing as best we can for those locations? And then you have this other group of locations that's saying, you know, these are well-established. These are not so much the squeaky wheels. And these are the ones that I'm not really prioritizing. So essentially what we say is, okay, we will take that information and structure the account based on that. So you have a tier one campaign and a tier two campaign. And the idea is that with a tier two campaign or, or the, basically the, the tier that is the, uh, the focus locations, the priority locations, you can still have automated bidding, but you can also have a little bit more control in terms of saying, okay, I wanna, I wanna bid up on this location within this campaign because we're actually struggling here versus actually this location is doing very well. It's getting a lot of spend and we can pull back. So that's kind of, you know, depending on what bidding strategy you're using, that's where you can kind of have a little bit more control and not go on either end of the spectrum and really kind of strike a balance there. What I would want to know as a healthcare advertiser is, look, I have a Birmingham location and at that location, I can't seem to attract, I have a lot of opportunity here uh, I have a lot of essentially empty seats that I need to fill. And I have, a, let's say, a Memphis location where I have, I mean, it's en essentially I'm at total capacity. And so I have sort of availability as a, a problem that I want digital marketing to solve. How does uh, the sort of the capacity at each location, how can that work within either a consolidated segment or a hybrid approach? That's another kind of situation where you need to have a little bit more control, not just for, you know, the spend of a location, but you're talking about like the, you know, the revenue potential or the, or the capacity of a, of a certain, certain location. That's where we've, we've also used kind of a tier system where we say, you know, we kind of group locations into kind of similar buckets, you know, locations that are highly efficient, but actually don't need that much more support because they're, they're doing well organically or, or through other channels, or maybe another tier of this location is very inefficient on digital but it is, it is a very high priority location. So how can we, again, you know, align our bidding strategies with that information? So if it is a very inefficient location that we need to scale and, and prioritize, what bidding strategy do we use there and, and what makes most sense? That's another way that you can kind of, again, just kind of, you know, strategically group locations based on what those needs are for the location and then choose the right bidding strategy and the daily budgets and, and, and all of that things, all that good stuff in terms of, dialing in on certain locations that need priority versus other ones that are that are less priority. Uh, I find myself wanting to talk about a real world example because this is not just theory. We do this, we do this all day. And for particular clients, they, they sort of pushed us in to a more control, a more segmented model because we had to sort of map onto the, the demands of their business. And performance did suffer for them as a result. Now we were able to sort of shunt more dollars to each one of these locations <laughs> for this segmented model. That worked, but we traded off in terms of conversions and efficiency rather mightily. Right. And you offered up a solution to it's like, all right, what happens when we actually take that really segmented approach that does map onto your business and experiment with a consolidated approach? 
and just see what happens in terms of the total number of dollars flowing into each location mm -hmm. and then the conversions flowing into, into each location. And what we saw was something rather remarkable. It's like we didn't actually give too much away in terms of how funded each location was. We did lose control, but there was a pretty uh, impressive or let's say equal distribution that looked similar to that of a segmented model. Mm -hmm. But we got to sort of use all of the capabilities of that of smart bidding. We got a lot of the sort of segmented at a location level in terms of budget spend, but we got the conversions along the way. Now, I, I hope I didn't just explain the whole story, but is that is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how I would describe it. I mean, I think that I don't think there's, you know, in 100% of situations, it's, it's always going to happen that way. But I think in that specific scenario, it's the kind of a classic example of of trying to kind of take more control over over the account and kind of taking control away from Google. It's kind of a constant kind of balance between how much you're giving to Google and how much you want to keep for yourself. And I think that was an example where even when we try to take more control and be more strategic and be more kind of nuanced with our account structure and our, our strategy, it kind of came back to bite us because we were, we were kind of stepping in the way of Google saying, actually, I know how to allocate these dollars and these are, this is the way I want to do it. And what turns out is, like you said, when we, we know, when we go to a consolidated structure, we really didn't lose out on much in terms of the funding of each location and the performance, the, the cost per lead, the, the conversion rate were, were, much, were much better. So I think, again, it's just kind of the, where you want to strike that balance of how much control you, you need and how much control you're willing to give away um, for, for better performance. Yeah, I think there, there are theoretical or hypothetical cases for pure segmentation. I, I can find them, mm -hmm. but they're becoming less frequent. Yeah. Like, even the pure case for segmentation is sort of becoming, is becoming tr truly rare given what's possible with smart bidding right now. Th that's only to plant a flag on or make the point that segmentation, pure segmentation, this far end of the spectrum is becoming less and less frequent in the industry. And I don't expect yeah. that to change. Yeah, 100% agree. Now we talked about the hybrid approach, the tier-based solutions that we can bring to bear. And those tiers can be made of anything. Mm -hmm. Geography, uh, that's obvious. We can do it based on revenue potential at the location, capacity, and all of and the intersection of all those things therein can essentially make a tier-based solution. It really depends on your business, the way it's structured. And then we take that information and sort of nest it into what is a digital marketing structure or a paid search structure. All right. The pace of consolidation within the healthcare industry is accelerating. Alex, organizations are growing across states to dozens, if not hundreds of locations. Now, this is a good question. How does that make media management more difficult? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the kind of inherent you know, concerns when you're adding in new, new locations is the kind of the unknown, right? Like you don't, it, just because certain markets or certain locations perform a certain way for the same keywords, you may not know, you know, the certain nuances of this location. And it also does kind of pose an issue just in terms of how do we fit this into our current structure? What makes the most sense? Um, how are we going to set up this location? Because a lot of times when, when new locations launch, it's actually a very prioritized effort. It was it's not just like, hey, just add this into the build. It's like, hey, we have a new location. It's brand new. We need to really ramp it up. What can we do? So that's where you kind of have to make those decisions in terms of, you know, how do we want to integrate this into our account? Kind of going back to the consolidated, uh, segmented 
conversation. Sometimes what we've seen is launching it straight into the consolidated campaign. If you, if you have a consolidated structure, that's really kind of the ideal situation because you're essentially just giving Google a new input and saying, okay, I was targeting all these other places and now I'm targeting this other place. It's going to learn. I think that's the quickest way to scale that location efficiently versus what some people kind of tend to go to is saying, I'm going to launch a specific location or a specific campaign for this location. And not saying that's never going to work, but what we've seen is that you're essentially creating a brand new campaign with no learnings, no conversion data. Google can make some assumptions about maybe some of your other campaigns or some of your other conversions, but it still comes down to the fact that you're kind of introducing a, a brand new campaign to the system and it's going to take time to learn. And sometimes that learning period, it takes place better when it's in that consolidated campaign versus if it's kind of broken out. And again, it's, it's, it has to go through that learning phase. So we learned this the hard way. Well, kind of. I mean, there, it's not right or wrong, but this sort of segmenting new locations, sort of incubating them within their own campaign and then transferring them when they sort of mature into the consolidated model, it strikes me as a logical sort of story and it could work, but there's there's some technical hangups here. And namely is uh, the, the data that we learn from the segmented campaign doesn't actually translate in. You don't, it doesn't move into the consolidated campaign. So essentially, although it could still work because maybe just it learned quickly within the consolidated model, but the right. point I wanted to make is that there's no transfer of knowledge from one right. to the other, and that's important. Yeah. That, that's another kind of inherent flaw in that strategy of, like, like you said, incubating a location. You're kind of introducing the location twice. You're kind of, it's kind of making a redundancy of saying, here's a new location with a brand new campaign. And let's say it, it ramps up, it, it scales, and it gets some conversions. And now you're saying, okay, I think it makes sense now to put this into the consolidated campaign. You're essentially doing that same thing again that you just did. Because like you said, the conversion data the learnings from that specific market or that location doesn't necessarily inform the consolidated campaign. That's where we've seen sometimes it's just better to start it off in consolidated campaign and see how it performs. If it needs to get more attention, you can always, you know, you can always break it out if you need to, but to kind of by default force the market or the location to go into two learning periods yeah. is kind of, you know, proactively uh, kind of lengthening your ramp up time um, and, and the learnings for that location. All right. If I had to sort of rank order for paid search, what the most important elements were, uh, let's call number one, the structure. Choosing the structure that fits the healthcare marketer's business, number one. Everything flows from it. And if you get it wrong, consequences are real. So working through that question together is sort of paramount. Number two, I would say, and we haven't yet talked about it, is the conversion, the conversion that we're actually bringing into the system. And then I would say number three is the actual optimization mechanism by which we use to drive these conversions. But conversions themselves are crucial. So what I would, I would say here is there, what's important about conversions is essentially how rich the data is that you can bring into the system. And there's surface level data that most often often marketers use as their primary conversion types. And let's say that, I mean, that can be phone calls or, you know, form submits on a site, which we can guard. We can try and steer the thing 
to more and more quality, but ultimately it drops off because we don't know. So if we can integrate a conversion type that actually has all of the quality indicators inside it and then optimize to that, it's an absolute game changer. And then of course we can use the smart bidding technologies to find more and more that look like that really qualified lead. So the, right. qu the quality of lead that we're optimizing to is so important. Now, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> talk to me about phone calls and forms that don't have all of the, let's say, CRM-based mm -hmm. quality enforcement that we might like. How do we use those conversions and where do we ultimately want to take all of our clients to in, in terms of more and more quality leads? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of the kind of the bigger mistakes that, that most advertisers make nowadays is they're telling the you know the machines the the system the algorithm that all i want are forms and calls and as i think a lot of people here listening might know is that not all forms are of the same quality not all the same uh calls are of the same quality and that's kind of one of the bigger things i think some people are missing on is that they're wondering why they're not getting more new patients or more appointments or whatever it may be and a lot of the times the way you can get kind of a more nuanced and, and a better kind of optimization scheme is when you're actually informing the algorithm, like what actually happened to those calls and forms? And really it's, it, it comes down to the user themselves. Like what happened to that user? Did they, did they not end up becoming a patient because of X, Y, and Z? And I think that's where there's just a mismatch between what we actually want, which is not calls and forms. What we actually want is patients. And so when there's a mismatch between what you want and what you're telling the algorithm that you want, there's going to be inherent flaws in that kind of optimization scheme. So the way we kind of want all of our clients moving forward, kind of moving towards is, is a system where we are not only telling the algorithm, hey, these people did what the kind of the first action that we wanted them to do, which was to contact us, but they also ended up becoming a patient. So can we feed any kind of offline CRM data back into the system and not only say these people can made this action and they also did the ultimate goal for me, which is become a patient. And that just, again, just goes back to richer data, better insights for the algorithm and usually better performance. Because like you said, it's, it's just using pattern recognition to see this person became a patient. What are all the things that kind of make up this user and how can we go and find more users like them? So I think that's kind of a newer era, uh, I think, of, of paid search uh, strategy here where you're really, you're really not just counting calls and forms, you're counting the patients in the system. I find that critical. And so many marker, marketers, I think, are still relying on efficiency before effectiveness. And we, we stand up systems that enforce efficiency. And then we report back as if we're kind of winning the day. It's like, look at, uh, we're driving all of these phone calls and form fills, but not with the strong regard for their actual quality What's the, and, and the likelihood that they actually became a, a patient. And so it's really important to bring more and more quality information into the system and optimize against it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone would ever disagree with this, but the slow migration from us generally in this in sort of the agency space and in paid search specifically are migrating from an efficiency-based optimization view to an effectiveness-based optimization view. And here at Cardinal, we're sort of making this the, the sort of the, the cornerstone, the foundation of our approach. Yeah. And I think another thing worth noting there too is like 
a lot of times what we found is that, and, and it really, it makes sense, it's intuitive when you think about it, that the higher quality leads are actually more expensive, which we've seen, we've seen accounts where we don't integrate that, that kind of lower funnel offline data. And, you know, the algorithm is really good at finding the type of conversions that you're telling it to find. And that could be a low quality conversion. So when we started integrating, uh, we made some adjustments and started integrating that CRM data into the, into the system, the way that the, the campaign was serving across keywords, across demographics and devices and everything just completely shifted yeah. because we weren't telling it to go find the cheapest conversion possible. We were telling it to go find the most quality conversion at a cost that we, we are okay with versus, you know, like I said, the, if you are telling the system that you want any call, doesn't matter if it's from the website or from an ad, then they're really good at that. But again, it goes back to, you know, giving this, this machine the right inputs, because if you're not giving them those inputs that matter, you're not kind of guiding it in the direction that you need to. And I think what you said is exactly right. And actually, when it comes to, uh, you know, cost per lead, uh, cost per acquisition, the more quality lead that you actually eventually, you eventually integrate back into the system, you will pay more. The CPA and the CP, however you name it, will by dint of this come up. And this kind of puts a bit of a scare sometimes into marketers because they feel as if they're becoming less efficient. But when you track to the cost per new patient, not just cost per lead, you see that coming down. So right. as you enforce more and more quality in the system, the CPA, the CPL will come up, but because it's frankly more expensive, it always right. will be, but the cost per new patient will come down. So there's an inverse relationship and it's important to set that expectation, I think, for the client. Right. Because, uh, you know, we all get a bit cold. We get, we get cold feet mm -hmm. sometimes when we see what, what superficially looks like right. less efficient performance. Right. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you're saying of a lot of people look at it purely from efficiency. Like, you know, we drove the lowest CPA we ever driven this month, but it just makes more sense for it to be kind of geared towards effectiveness because, like I said, I mean, you can... You can drive a lot of low quality leads and, and make it work if you have like the sheer volume of, of those low quality leads. Because at some point, like we've talked about, sometimes quantity is quality. But if you're not getting that type of volume, then it doesn't matter if the cost per lead is X percent higher for the kind of more qualified lead. Because at the rate at which that lead is going to convert to a patient, it doesn't matter about how cheap it was. The other kind of low quality lead was. So, yeah, at the end of the day, it's about effectiveness over efficiency. Obviously, we want to be effective and efficient, but um, I think a lot of times people and advertisers are, are too focused on efficiency and not thinking about what's actually happening to those conversions after they you know, call or after they uh, fill out a form. Well said. All right. What else should we cover on this, this topic? I, I think we've talked about maybe even to death the campaign structure and its importance. We've talked about the importance of quality conversions, the quality of conversion and the bidding strategies therein that can enforce that quality conversion. But what's really important, and maybe, maybe they aren't cornerstones, but they should be addressed uh, because they're significant, is some of the details about the campaign structure, namely that of our funnel-based approach. Hmm. Now, when you're in the healthcare space, as we primarily are, we have essentially, let's call them lower funnel programs. We have a lot of intent in the marketplace often looking for the solution that our healthcare marketers provide. Often they don't need to be, or let's say sometimes they don't need to be nurtured 
Right. Simply their intention is ready. Mm-hmm. They're ready to become a patient. And we, in many ways, design systems, they grab them, capture them. Mm-hmm. But often that intentionality isn't as high. And so there are research aspects they're bringing to bear. So they're not, they're not ready to become a patient yet. So how do we structure some of our paid search accounts to accommodate people that are still discovering and researching and essentially looking for the right solution and don't yet, they're not yet uh, certain of it. Right. Yeah. Um, what we found is that a lot of times, you know, those, like you're saying, those kind of lower funnel, high intent keywords are, like you said, they're, they're they don't really need a lot of nurturing. They're, they're already basically telling you, hey, I'm looking for this thing. Do you have it? And versus kind of more upper funnel keywords where it's more kind of, you know, in the healthcare space, it's more symptom around symptoms or about just researching topics versus saying, I'm looking for a solution. Um, and that's where we kind of look at it as um, kind of a three kind of funnel stages, um, if you want to, if you would kind of want to refer to them there. So kind of a problem aware, which has got the, you know, the most upper funnel, like I was saying, they, the user knows they have a problem. They're doing a research, doing research about a topic. You know, they're, they're asking questions but they're not really looking for solutions just yet. And then you have the solution aware, where you know, that's, you know, as, as the name suggests, people are actually saying, okay, I already know I have this problem. I'm actually looking for a solution now through, through a, a search query. And then kind of your very lower funnel product aware and, and product in this sense really just means your brand. So they've gone through the problem aware, the solution aware, and maybe they've been to your website or seen your ad and say, okay, I'm specifically looking for this, uh, you know, this brand. And, Really what we've seen is, you know, the best approach is goes back to the system, not limiting the algorithm and saying, you can serve on all these keywords and the system will calibrate to which keywords are driving conversions. It will naturally do that just because, again, you're, you're telling the system to drive as many conversions as possible or at a certain cost. And then a, a kind of another layer there where we see it work really well is when you add in uh, data-driven attribution or, or any kind of non-last-click attribution model because you can kind of just think about this as a user kind of going through this journey of they did some, you know, some queries about their problem. They did some queries about their solution and they eventually landed on your website. That maybe their first interaction with you, like I said, was, was with that problem query when they actually clicked through the website and maybe read an article or whatever it was. But if you have a non-last click attri- or a last click attribution model, the keyword that drove that conversion is going to get, you know, 100% of the credit for that conversion where in reality, maybe they came in through a problem where keyword and we're not crediting that uh, that stage of the funnel correctly. And you could potentially allocate budget in the wrong areas if you if you kind of do that. So that's where we see, you know, a full funnel strategy plus non-last click attribution is where you can really kind of live in all stages of the funnel and properly fund each stage of the funnel as well based on each specific user. So that's kind of how we think about the kind of full funnel strategy. Okay. Yeah. Paired with a non-last click attribution model, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only only way to successfully enforce a funnel-based paid search strategy. And most marketers are already sort of out of the last click game anyway. We certainly are here using either a position-based or uh, Google's more newfangled data, DDA, data-driven attribution, mm-hmm. which essentially just pattern detects uh customer journeys based on keywords right. and essentially finds more and more relevant 
journeys that eventually lead to conversions. I think we have five things on the table now as to what's really important in healthcare marketing for paid search. It was campaign structure, quality of conversion. There was the bidding that you use. And now we have the funnel-based strategy is contained within the structure mm -hmm. and the attribution profile that you use to enforce right. the funnel. So five big things that are essentially you have to get right if you're going to get paid search right, right now. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, let me be rather rude and ask you a question. Now, if you had to give a healthcare marketer advice, like if, if someone out there is watching this and wondering, like, well, uh, that was a little weedsy for me. And apologies if that's true. We've been doing this a while. How would you help someone out? So how would you put them on the right footing, given the five things that we just laid out? And I, I'm sorry for asking you this question. That's a big one. Yeah. First, like we were talking about, really more so your business objectives, your business constraints are going to dictate your structure. So knowing what your business constraints or your business objectives are, that is obviously going to help inform you. I think we always default to, if you don't have these constraints that require a segmented structure, we 100% recommend consolidating. I think it starts there with saying, okay, what are my actual business needs and how can I translate that into you know, paid search? I would say another big thing that maybe we didn't cover in that five that maybe is kind of intertwined in the funnel strategy, but I think at the heart of any account is the search terms because if you're not doing your keyword targeting right, if you're not capturing the right search terms, you could be doing all five of those things that we talked about you could be doing all those perfectly and you will still not see good performance for your actual business. You might be driving some conversions, but if they're irrelevant search terms, they're probably not going to turn into patients. So I think that's another very key piece of, of any paid search account is you have to get that, you know, bare minimum kind of core thing down of, of getting the right search terms into your account. I would also say that's like a big focus for anyone starting an account or running it, running a, an account. And then really, I think at the end of the day too, just kind of, if I can limit it to three things here, really leaning in to machine learning and being able to test and kind of give away some control because at the end of the day, humans should not be doing what machines do better than humans. Maybe that's not true for every single scenario, but in the case of bidding, in the case of A-B testing, copy, things like that, technology just advanced enough to where that's not something humans really need to be doing anymore and they can kind of focus their attention on, on other kind of big picture things. And really leaning into to automation and machine learning is, it's about allowing machines to do what they're best at and allowing humans to do what they're best at. So I'd say those, those three things I think is maybe high, uh, high level enough to be useful. Uh, I think so. Made perfect sense to me, but pretty close to it. Anything to conclude here? No, I mean, I think for anyone who needs to maybe figure out what their business, maybe they don't know what those business constraints are for healthcare marketers and, and, and directors where they're saying, you know, do we really need to know how much location, how much each location spend, or really, do we really need to have control over every single location? You know, posing that question of, of saying, kind of just reevaluating your, your internal operations and saying, if this is an absolute need, then, you know, there's really no way to get around that. But if there are things you can kind of shift around and, um, maybe it's not, it, maybe you don't need to know every single little detail, but you can, you can still basically know how, how each location is performing. I think that's another way that you can kind of pitch that is just saying, just reevaluating your actual business kind of constraints and how that relates to paid search. Yeah. Okay. And there, there are many things here we didn't just have time to touch on, you know, creative landing pages, how all that sort of 
weaves into the performance. But I think we covered the high points for sure. Mm -hmm. What can I say? Uh, thank you for meeting me in the park to discuss paid search marketing for uh, uh, for healthcare advertisers. And dare I say, we, uh, we did a real good job. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.